Hi, I'm JP. And I'm Adam. I've never seen Lost. I have. I'm told that it's good. I liked it. I'm told that it made sense. Sort of. But we're watching it out of order. So it definitely won't make sense. But it might still be good. Since we won't expect it to make sense, we'll still be able to appreciate each episode on its own merits as a one-hour story. Sometimes two or three. As opposed to just a fraction of an ongoing, sprawling, and increasingly complex tangle of relationships, personal stories, mysteries, mythologies, experiments, social dynamics, unnatural disasters, unanswered questions, and hot tropical hookups. Are you okay? I'm not sure. Because you lost me a little bit there at the end. Good, because I've been lost since the beginning. We're, We're lost, lost on Lost. Welcome everybody to Lost on Lost, episode three. I'm Adam Busher and I'm joined as always by J.P. Russell. Hello, hello. Today we are talking about The Man Behind the Curtain from season three. It is the 20th episode of season three and the 69th episode overall. Nice. <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. Uh, it originally aired on May 9th, 2007. The Man Behind the Curtain was written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Drew Goddard and directed by Bobby Roth. The featured character for the episode is Ben Linus, and it takes place on the 89th and 90th days after the crash of Oceanic Flight 815. JP. Yeah. You ready to hit us with that recap? Oh, yeah. Give it to me. I don't have anything to say about this episode because I'm still thinking about Richard's eyes. <laughs> For Christ's sake. You want more than that? Yes. Please. Thank you. Okay, fine. Uh, if the second episode of this podcast was a good follow-up to the pilot, this episode is not. We dive deep into the supernatural shit on the island. Jack and Ben explore a hobo fuck shack and run into the ghost of Gary Busey. <laughs> While in the past, or future president or whatever, uh, Ben teaches his dad the valuable lesson that the father of the year mug does not get handed out for free. <laughs> As we record this episode, Father's Day is right around the corner, so grab your pops, all the other hippies in your utopia cult, and the raccoon in your shed, and watch Man Behind the Curtain. <laughs> so, with that recap in mind, uh, I'd like to introduce our guest here, Adam Haas. Oh, hi there. Adam uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What uh, you you live out in Hollywood, I California? Do. I do. Yes, it's where I watched the finale of Lost. Actually, in Hollywood, California. Very good. Uh, so, so you watched all of Lost on its original run? Not all of it. No, I caught up to it somewhere in second or third season. I don't remember where. So I torrented at the time because there wasn't <clears throat> a stream, proper streaming platform. <clears throat> Uh, the first season or whatever to get caught up, so I binged uh, that until it became live, and then I watched live after that. Would you say that you were a fan up till the end? I think I was. I mean, I followed along diligently, enjoyed my time, frustrations okay, right. and all. Yeah, because there's a lot of that, it seems like, in the fandom. Yeah. So. So when you watched okay. the finale out here in L.A., did you like get together with a group of Losties and uh, have like a little watch party when it ended, or were you just solo? We did. I think the last season, we might have even had like almost every episode of a little watch party. And we even had, I don't remember how it went, but we had some kind of tournament or like calling who was going to die in an episode to like some sort nice. of like bets, like which character was going to die, if anyone at all. And like place wagers in that way. I have a running thing of the same thing with the royal family. Oh, okay, yeah. How's that going for you? Not as good as I'd like it to be. Well, did you have Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family on your bingo card? No, but no. My dad did. Now I gotta mow the lawn. Boo. <laughs> 
Haas, um, other than Lost, what uh, what would you say your favorite TV shows might have been around the same time, or even or even currently? Like, what's the type of oh, TV that you you like to consume? Do you often go for serialized things? Do you like things that are a little bit more episodic? I'm generally a serialized uh, television consumer. Uh, I don't remember what I was watching at the time. Probably a lot of whatever pop culture was hot at the time. Sure. Chuck comes to mind. 24. Right. When I first got into Lost, I was watching some of the seasons of 24, then fell off. Didn't watch the early couple seasons. A lot of people dropped off when they like nuked Los Angeles, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> and and you work in the uh, film and television industry, correct? Yes. Well, usually. <laughs> Except for right now. <laughs> Except for right now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, then that means that you can validate all the stupid things I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, great. I can't wait to validate you. Yes, thanks. Like so a think, parking attendant. I think you mentioned this, JP, before we started rolling. JP is our resident non-lost watcher. However, you've actually seen this episode before. I've seen like seven episodes of this show, and this is one of them. <laughs> we're, we're, we're only into episode three of the podcast, and I'm like, oh, this is my wheelhouse when it comes to Lost, which is very quickly dwindling in terms of capacity. <laughs> but yes, I, I do remember this because it seemed vaguely familiar. Well, we'll, we'll get into it yeah. as, we, as we go through things. But yes, I, I had seen this one at some point in college gotcha uh yeah as far as the actual content of this episode this one uh, unlike the last episode where uh the last one we watched not the last episode before the last one we watched do no harm spend a lot of time on the island in the present and less time flashing back to jack's previous life before the island this one seemed to be spread out a little bit more because, like I mentioned in the intro, our, our featured character is Ben Linus, who, those of you who watch the show chronologically, this is not the first time you've seen him. And up until this point, he's a quite mysterious character. This is the first time he has a centric episode. The storyline of the episode itself is split pretty evenly, I think, between present day on island and flashbacks throughout Ben's life. So what's some of the stuff that happened on the island like it was chopped up pretty heavily throughout this episode i i'm the resident i've seen every episode and i watched it almost all in order thinking trying to think back to this like i i was pretty my my memories of this episode are extremely fragmented it seems like it's because this episode is pretty fragmented in itself I went through an entire emotional journey right at the very get-go because John Locke comes walking into Ben's camp right. with a body and he <laughs> says that he killed his dad. So, spoiler alert, John Locke's got a dad and he's dead already. <laughs> he's dead, yeah. I mean, pretty so, much everybody has a dad, though. You could well, have assumed that. Yeah, you, you, you can make But it. his dad's on the island, I guess. You went to film school, not medical school, Haas. Huh? So <laughs> oh, get bad. out of here. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, so so that's like the first thing we see in present day is uh, Ben's camp. He's chatting with Nestor Carbonell, the uh, man with the eyelashes for days from uh, Batman fame and the natural eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember seeing uh, during the run of the original run of this, I saw some late night show where they were, you know, some jerk was interviewing him. They're like, oh, you know, people say you have eyeliner. Someone's like, no, I have super dark eyelashes eyelashes, yeah and i just want to stare into his eyes for hours so (laughs) you know yeah it's uh stunning his his eyes are just yeah you get lost in them (laughs) but uh so yeah the the two of them chat a little bit they talk about juliet they talk about a tape and then yeah psycho lock comes wandering in with a body (laughs) and starts demanding answers i brought you this corpse (laughs) And so apparently somewhere prior to this, not only has Ben made some sort of offer to Locke to, uh, you know, trading corpses for information, um, but Locke's being all buddy-buddy with these people. 
I remember the others. We haven't seen it yet, but they are uh, the primary antagonists in a lot of ways. Uh, all of season two, big chunk of season one. Like, they're, well, thanks they're, for that. Like, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's uh, like I said, I, I have a hard time remembering. But like, obviously, these are not the survivors. These are not the people that Locke came to the island with. Right. We don't see any of the survivors for a while. We don't see the beach camp till about halfway through the episode, maybe a little bit before that. Yeah, they're barely in it at all. Some characters don't even have like lines in it. Like Charlie doesn't even have one line. Mm hmm. I, I tried just following that whole plot and sort of what was going on there. And it, it was so just kicked to the side for this whole episode. It's like, ah, oh, we need to, you know, have this in there for the people that are watching the show specifically for, you know, one of the characters that are in that. But, you know, they, they had nothing to do in this. Yeah, because on the B, uh, well, let's let's finish talking about Ben's camp uh, first. Um so Locke's there. He drops out the body. He uh, Ben obviously didn't think that this was going to come off because he's like, well, now I actually have to go through with my end of the bargain, whatever it was. He said, it, you know, Locke says if he kills his father, Ben's got to give him answers. And Ben obviously didn't want to do that. Um, and so he's really frustrated. They actually has to go through with it now. Um, then a Russian dude wanders in. Mikhail. Mikhail. <laughs> <laughs> and he is not happy to see Locke at the camp. Well, you know, seeing isn't really his thing. Well, <laughs> he's got a sweet eye patch. Just based on how everything's already uh, Dharma branded, I was really surprised his eye patch didn't have the logo <laughs> it on there. It really should have been. It should have been. <laughs> so Mikhail's there, and he's not happy to see Locke there because apparently before Locke made it to Ben's camp, he had some sort of run-in with Mikhail. They got into some nastiness. We hear about somebody parachuting onto the island. We hear about a ship mm -hmm. offshore. Um, this is the first that they mentioned in the episode. They don't really get into it too much beyond that, other than some woman has landed on the island from a ship offshore and that the survivors, the folks from A15, have gotten a hold of her. Mikhail wants to deal with that, but Ben has, says he's got to deal with Locke. Locke beats the ever-loving fuck out of Mikhail, and nobody stops <laughs> yeah, <he> him. <laughs> Just knocks him unconscious. <laughs> yeah. Just like Everyone's right after like, right no, after right. Man. Just like, and, and Ben is like, uh, Tom, Richard, does anybody want to jump in here? And they'll just kind of look and they're like, nah, let, we'll let John, nah, we're good. We'll, we'll let it happen. <laughs> John's taken over. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a very good, uh, point. It seems like whatever Locke is up to, he's increasing his influence over the people in Ben's camp. And that is clearly some sort of threat to Ben because he's obviously an individual of power over this camp, over these people here. Locke's threatening that with all of his psycho violence and, and bravado and, you know, um, so we get we have a real uh, real touchy relationship there between Ben and Locke. Then I think we get an opportunity to come back to the beach, which is, uh, in my opinion, the messiest storyline of this episode because yeah. this, this is really a storyline in which you need to know what has happened in prior episodes to really oh, yeah. really be caught up. Like the the right. the, the, the Ben's camp episode uh, story arc in the present is, I mean, we kind of get it. There are some like there's some holes there, but like. Locke is coming in, he's threatening Ben, and Ben is going to take him to get the answers to the island we want. So that's our little bit, our little bitty story of Ben's camp in this thing. Whereas the beach camp is like... <sighs> Something that when we were in film school, I, I got a criticism for, for uh, a script that I had written very early on, was characters constantly saying each other's names like no one does in real life. Um, and that, you know, 
obviously when you're introducing characters and you're trying to solidify who the characters are for the audience that that happens but there was the lady on the beach that i was just introduced to she has something to do with jack and they're off having some sort of clandestine operations or something like that uh, i'm like oh who's this person yeah and no one really said her name and i'm like well who who is it you know yeah like they they go to sawyer said it like real quickly Oh, but right. yeah, like him and Saeed, uh, like go to a tent and it's abandoned and it's we don't know whose tent it is. And it's like it takes a moment for us to like sort of piece together. That they're talking about Juliet. Yes. And this is an, uh, another person we never met in the pilot. Somebody we met along the way that. Yeah. And that always drives me nuts is when in a, in a script, whenever I talk to you, JP, I don't I don't say your name all the time. Right, JP? Like if in a regular conversation like when i'm talking to you jp to use your I name will a lot choke would be, you through this microphone <laughs> it, it would be annoying right get my name out your mouth <laughs> yes. um so that's an interesting thing to mention uh one of the co-writers of this episode uh drew goddard some of his other uh writings i didn't realize he actually wrote Tron lost i was like really surprised yeah because uh it, i think his big claim to fame is uh the netflix series daredevil yeah he wrote uh, the, the martian co-wrote the cabin recently. in the woods Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Cabin yeah, in the Martian. So, so I mean, like this guy, this, this guy's not an idiot. He's not like a bad writer. He's gone on to do a number of things after Lost. So I mean, it's Elizabeth Sarnoff too. She's done a bunch of uh, shows and stuff after this too. She she wrote a bunch of episodes of NYPD Blue and uh, and Deadwood. So I mean, both this episode is written by two people who are not they're not bad writers. It's and just now a, and Barry, which is brilliantly yeah. written. It's just a, a symptom of them having to reintroduce their characters every episode because it's a serialized thing with a huge ensemble. I think I did not count how many people were main cast credited oh, in yeah. the beginning, but they it was it's a lot. Season three especially like goes crazy with the amount of regular cast and then reoccurring cast and then guest cast. It's huge. Season three, and I'm sure we'll touch on this as we do more season three episodes, especially as we get to some of the shittier ones. Um, <laughs> season three, oh good. Season three was uh, existed in this weird time in in Lost's uh, life that they didn't have an answer as to how long they were going to go on. It was a wildly popular show. ABC, I'm sure, would have wanted them to just keep making them as long as it was popular. But the writers had they, they couldn't they can't you can't write a huge sprawling mystery like this indefinitely. Stories have to have beginning, middle, and ends, and that's why some of the best serialized television they don't run for 10, 12. 15 years they run you know four five six years you know um, with a significantly less number of episodes per season right yeah. this being almost the 70th most runs now are 10 episodes long this could be the seventh season it's it's almost the 70th what 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 is this it's what? this would be the 69th episode nice I nice nice. Told. nice nice but anyway um the first three seasons lost did 25 20 24 25 26 episodes per in the second half of the series, which we'll cover in season two of this podcast, four, five, six, those, those were all like, I think the longest season was season five, and I think it did 16 episodes. The rest of them were all shorter than that. So the second half, the second three years of the show it was so much shorter than the first three years. A bit of trivia about this specific episode. This was the first episode that premiered after ABC announced that Lost would go off the air in 2010, that they were that they had set an end date for the show. And so I think for the Lost Heads, Losties at the time, that was probably a real blessing in disguise. You need to hear your show is going to end, but 
maybe it'll get better because we might actually see the resolution of some of these ongoing questions. Yeah, there's so many shows that I mentioned before. I, I sat through all of True Blood, which, you know, started very interesting. And then they just kept going and going and going Ditto. Un- until yeah. HBO just cut them off. And the, the story had gotten so convoluted. And so it just dragged on mm-hmm. for so long. They, they did wrap it up in the end, I thought, pretty nicely. But yeah, it's, it's nice, I, I feel like, for writers to have an end date so that you can actually structure things properly and and give what's needed its its proper amount of time mm-hmm. so anyway so back on the island um so yeah so we the three of us i think we all agree that the survivor's beach camp story of this episode is a is kind of a mess and kind of all over and it's a lot about uh, the, the main thing that i take away from this is like they they push into the night at the beach camp and they're having an argument kate and sawyer and saeed they're wondering where jack is they're wondering where this other mystery woman is juliet all of the confusion at this camp is born very much out of secrets people on the beach camp are are not communicating with each other they're not telling each other what's going on and it's leading to a lot of suspicion all throughout the first half of the uh all the, well, not even the first half, all the way through the end of the beach camp story of this episode, I got the vibe as a viewed, uh, an audience member that our hero of the pilot can do no wrong. Dr. Jack Shepard uh, is a heel, man. Like everybody's on his case. They're like, they, they can't trust him. They don't know where he's like, why he's off palling around. I mentioned this in the last episode, how he can only have one woman in his orbit at any given time. Sun has fallen <sighs> away. And now Juliet, this mystery woman is now Jack's little satellite. And no, it's just, you and- know, what's really what I don't trust about any of sort of those main guys on the beach there, would they've been on the island for three months at now? Least, yeah, three months. All of them just have five o'clock shadows. <laughs> That's it. They just they just got this little stubble going, so they all look dashing and handsome, and they all are. And I'm just like, man, they either they're shaven and they're lying about it, or they grow facial hair like I do, and it's really not good. <laughs> Patchy and thin. Yeah, I mean, they might have a secret buzzer like behind the bush over there I, I i remember every once in a while like you'll see there's an episode i don't know if it's before or after this but like uh, K- sawyer and kate are sharing a little moment and he she's giving him a really shitty like scissors haircut so that we buy that josh holloway's hair has stayed the same <laughs> yeah because he's he's already really close to a bowl cut so right. that's yeah but also at this uh, point, you don't know this, JP. Uh, Haas would remember this. Uh, this is post-hatch stuff. So they're, they have had an influx of supplies. So maybe they got their hands on a couple of electric uh, electric shavers, electric beard trimmers, maybe solar-powered beard trimmer. And this is a magical place. Yeah. Maybe it's affecting them in some sort of hair follicle way. <laughs> I fucking hate this podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm uh, I'm flipping through my notes quick to see if I had anything else to say about the uh, the main survivors before I wanted to get back to the more interesting part, which is all all the Ben stuff. There was one interesting thing they mentioned on the beach that we haven't covered. What's that? Son's pregnant. Yeah, they they dropped that like real quickly. That's right. And Son reacted like, "Oh, did nobody else supposed to know that?" And you think I hear you hear Jin be like, uh, what? Yeah, this episode starts with another baby being born and they talk about someone else becoming pregnant. And just for how we've been viewing this show, there's been a lot of pregnancy yeah. and a lot of if birth. You, if you watch the show the way we're watching the show, the show is basically about pregnant women. Yeah. And John Locke. And John Locke. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, yeah, the the son is pregnant. At this, it seems it seems at this point that whatever uh, marital troubles Jin and Son were going through seem to have mended themselves a little bit. They're they're not as uh, antagonistic toward each other as they were the last time we saw them back in uh, Do No Harm, uh, which is good because I love them. Uh, I love the two of them. The Sun Jin couple is like probably my favorite couple in the whole show. Will they, won't they, on again, off again, I assume. I mean, I would mention my favorite couple, but I don't think JP knows the other one yet. We knows one of them from the pilot, but I won't spoil that. <laughs> Thanks. They're cute. The, uh, the sun pregnancy thing has something to do with the tape that Ben had mentioned to Richard at the beginning of the episode. And then eventually, Jack and Juliet do return to the beach. Oh, who's got, no, who's got the tape? Sawyer's got the tape. Sawyer yeah. came back and should like played it for Saeed. Right. They all gather around. Yeah. It? So before Jack and Juliet return, this other survivor, Saeed, Kate, Sawyer, everybody, they get together to listen to this tape, and it sounds really nefarious. It's about kidnapping and and son and the baby and all that stuff. And then so Jack and Juliet wander up, and they're like, "Oh, hey, well maybe if you just gave us a chance to explain ourselves." And it's like maybe if you just explained yourself from the beginning, everybody wouldn't be on your fucking case the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> You just disappear out of the jungle for days with your new girlfriend, Juliet. Jack, you big dickhead. And then Jack comes back all like, oh, no, don't worry. We were, pl- we're planning on it. We're, we're thinking. We're thinking. Yeah. And what, what's his line with at the end? With that little, like, smirk. What's his line at the end? I, th- I think- uh, I didn't write that I, down. I, I wanted to write it down because it was such a smug, smarmy fucking Jack thing to say. Like, Why didn't you tell us? Because I hadn't decided what to do about it yet. Yet. I think we got some catching up to do. It's like you're such a prick. <laughs> he said to, or when she said to flip the tape over, I desperately wanted it to be Shimmy Shimmy Ya by ODB. It <laughs> wasn't. Mic, so, so I gotta take it away. Exactly. <laughs> they should have spent the money that they spent on Shambhala to get Shimmy Shimmy Ya instead. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, Ben and Locke. Yeah, heading to uh, heading to meet yeah. Jacob. The uh, I I was just I, I'm rewatching uh, the first season of True Detective for like the 16th time, but this time I'm watching it with someone else who's never seen it, so that justifies my obsession with it. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. But sure. we just watched uh, not to go into a different show, but when uh, McConaughey is it's like the third episode where they're talking about religion, and he talks about how. You know, uh, it's it's been around ever since that monkey told another monkey that the son said that I should have your share, you know, that sort of thing. And that w- that's the exact logic that Locke has with Ben when they're talking in the tent. Like, oh, yeah, you're the only one that can talk to him. I don't think there is a Jacob. Like, I'm I'm a very aware character in this. Like, so I very much appreciated that line of logic. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the writers thought like, oh, we'll lead the audience down this way. Like, oh, you know, it's it's not a real thing. So that when when we do reveal later that there is something that it's a, it's subverts expectations. <laughs> but this is a very different lock than if you watched it in order, what mm-hmm. you would expect him to react from things to be taken on faith. Yeah. Yeah. He's been like very like, no, just trust the island, trust the island, trust the island. And now he's like right, railing against the island. Yeah, he's like demanding answers of the yes. island. It's like, it's it's like it's, he, it's, he doesn't believe anything the island is trying to tell him right now. Yeah. It's like he's gone from this spiritual figure uh, in the previous episodes and just somebody who demands proof, of, uh, proof to back up his faith, which is, yeah, very much a different lock. 
So that's the agreement that Locke and Ben ended up going on, bringing in of the, he kills his father and now Ben's going to take him to the island. So he drags him through the jungle, they traipse through the jungle, they argue a little bit at the camp, but then they proceed. Ben does fulfill his end of the bargain, drags Locke off into the jungle to go meet Jacob. The uh, the one thing I want to interject there, because I don't have much to say about cinematography for this episode. However, uh, right before they set off, uh, shoot, where is it? I also have one thing, if you look for that. There was one real quick beat before they left with another father figure that we also, I don't know if we knew this or not, but we find out that Ben is a father. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do have that in my notes. We meet, yeah, just before they leave, uh, a, a young woman comes up, a teenager-ish, uh, hands Locke a gun, says, you're going to need this. Uh, and as she stomps away, she's like, happy birthday, dad. And she is pissed. <laughs> So, like, dads are not doing well no. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Happy right. birthday, This episode is dad. littered with daddy issues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, I'm remembering correctly, we've seen her a handful of times prior to this. I think so, yeah. I don't know if it was ever revealed that she was Ben's daughter or not. Yeah. But it's made explicit here. And her name's mentioned, like, when you get to that, now you know Alex and the relationship there. Right before they set off on their little adventure to go see Jacob during Locke's line, there's a first time for everything. There are, it's the same shot that they cut back to twice. He is straight up out of focus. And I don't mean a little bit. I mean a lot of bit. Like, you had no other take. You couldn't go back and reshoot just John Locke standing against the woods saying there's a first time for everything because my man's had some fiber for breakfast that morning because his shit was soft. <laughs> You, wow. have to, you have to look up who the DP for this episode was. Fucking yeah. roast his ass on Twitter. <laughs> no, I'm going to roast the fucking first AC. That's what I'm going to roast. <laughs> Twitter is like, where'd you learn about a focus poll? Nutsack. I, I literally <laughs> was roasting like, the We weren't even supposed to get that shot. We were just like standing there waiting for the director to call action. Like, I don't know. <laughs> call the director. Call Bobby Roth, <laughs> the director of this episode. <laughs> Okay. Um, I, I, I'll have a cinematography question for you coming up, JP, in a little bit. Okay. Uh, as we uh, as we go through that, but yeah, so we meet uh, we meet Alex, uh, Ben's daughter. Uh, she's salty. Dads are doing bad uh, throughout this episode, but uh, Ben and Locke head off to go meet Jacob uh, as promised. Um, they have a bunch of chitter chatter in the jungle about like who's from where and like Ben's all like whatever. A lot of the conversation they have in the jungle as they're moving forward is really just to set up the, the cutaways the flashbacks to uh, his early childhood his middle childhood and then like his late adulthood i like that crossing the ash line the gray ash line a lot like with the flashback crossing the pylons mm-hmm. they're yeah. like oh this uh, is dangerous it's place yeah literally an alice in wonderland allegory as he's following the white rabbit yeah yeah that yeah. too. Ben likes his rabbits. Yeah. Uh, they get to the cabin, and then uh, Ben gives him a thing. He, he just is like, uh, once this door is open, there's no going back. It's like uh, he just continues to. Uh, he's give, basically giving Locke every chance he can to be like, look, he, he don't don't do this. Like you you con me into this, and despite the fact that I've shown myself to be a, a liar on many many occasions for whatever reason, I'm keeping my word this time. But I'm giving you chances to ditch out here, and he doesn't take it. Um, so they go in the cabin. Ben mentioned something about Jacob disliking technology, so they got to put out their flashlights and and light a, a hurricane lamp and stuff like that. Uh, they go in, and <laughs> lo and behold, uh, there's no Jacob. His invisible man, there's just a chair in there, and Ben starts chatting with the chair, uh, and Locke thinks he's nuts. You're you're playing playing me for a sucker. You're making it. You're this is for my benefit. This is you're putting on a show. 
this is just stop it. Just knock it off. He gets all adamant and he gets ready to storm off. Right as he's about to leave the cabin, he hears somebody talk to him. He says, he hears, help me. And it's not Ben's voice. It's clearly not Ben's voice to us, the audience. But he thinks Ben said something. He's like, what did you say? It's like, Ben didn't say anything. We've heard Ben talk a lot in this episode. It's not what his voice sounds like. Hell right. me. So he wheels around and he blasts him with the torch. And uh, and then, like, all hell breaks loose. Uh, jars of what I'm assuming are urine go flying around. That's exactly <laughs> what it has to be. That's the only thing it can be. He's... he's He's Howard yes. Husing in the little cabin, Invisible Man. Which Howard is Hughes. funny because the actor who plays John Locke played Howard Hughes in The Rocketeer. Is that oh, funny? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the voice that says help me is actually one of the uh, EPs on the show. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Howard Hughes had jars full of piss if, just lying around the place if, if that wasn't clear just, from that. I got, of, that, anybody I got that reference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've seen The Aviator. Sure. Oh, okay. It's the way of the future. 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 Uh, ben gets shoved by an invisible person. Uh, it, it looks like maybe uh, maybe there's enough evidence here that Locke would be like, okay, maybe there was an invisible dude here, and I actually can't see him. Ben was telling the truth about all this. We, we think that that might happen. There's uh, and this is the cinematography thing I wanted to ask you about here, JP. Is like throughout yeah. the I don't know if you if, if it was important enough to notice for you, but like as you're watching this scene where it's all breaking down and everything's going all nuts, um, there's a lot of like use of shadow across Locke's face. Um, granted, the the thing is dark to begin with; they're only being right. lit by this hurricane lamp. But like I don't know if you thought that was compelling or not. It was stark enough for me. To notice it as not somebody who t- tends to focus on that kind of stuff while I'm watching shows. Yeah, the nighttime scenes or anything that's dark, especially when it's supposed to be dark in like a, a wooded area or, you know, not in a city are tough because you need to expose the image. So you're just like blasting what's supposed to be moonlight. If you look at, you know, lighting on people's faces, it's it's absolutely absurd like how much light is on them uh but once they got into the once they got into the cabin they they were able to use a lot more shadow and it did look really good the the little the brief like three or four frame glimpse we get of someone sitting in the chair um i thought was really good because it's because i sat there and i slowed it down and you you only get like three frames or something like that uh and it's just long enough for the people that are paying attention to obsess over it and get to the message boards and be like the show fucking rules yeah yeah and then there's the 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 other you know part of it where it's like well if you if you aren't paying that close of attention then then you just uh enjoy the rest of the episode (laughs) right then uh, all the uh, Lost Heads uh, later find out that that was not the actor who plays Jacob later on in the show, but yeah. it's just the like assistant prop master or something. Yeah, I think it was just the prop guy. <laughs> it's, it's the key grip. <laughs> Basically. You're like, uh, I guess they were like, uh, we need a dude to sit we just in the chair. Body here. Yeah. Maybe a guy. Uh, you, come here. Sit. Yeah. Action. They they exit the cabin. They argue more. It's not enough for Locke. He's not convinced. He thinks this. He's despite the fact that there was like clearly some sort of supernatural presence in this cabin. Uh, he thinks it's bullshit. He's completely lost faith. He's yeah. a man without faith. Yeah. He's just he's, he, he's lost lost faith. Yes. Lo- lost Lo- faith. <laughs> Name of the show. I'll be here all night. And so they start heading back to Ben's camp, but the, along the way, Locke's like, this isn't the way we're going. He's like, well, you know how earlier I told you that I was born on the island, but I wasn't born on the island, but I can't remember which lie I told, whatever. I'm going to show you where I came from. 
And that's why we're going a different way. And this is where like the flashbacks, which we haven't talked much about yet, reach a, a, a crossing over point with the present stuff. So why don't we talk about the flashback stuff a little bit uh, and then we'll get to like the final scene of the uh, of the episode itself. Re- really quick, right when they exit the cabin, uh, he, he says, you know, what was that in the mm-hmm. cabin? Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we do a little role play with that? Really quick, <laughs> sure. Um, right. I'd like to be Ben if you, if one of you guys, Haas, if if you want to be John Locke. Okay, okay. Where are we, okay. Where are we so, picking this up from? We're exiting. Yeah. We're, we're leaving exit, the door. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, okay. it's exiting. Exterior. And I, I just, cabin. Yes. So it, I, I'm just I I just walked out and and you're there. Uh, the, what was that? That's what it's like to chew five gum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can continue. It's just turned into product placement now. <laughs> and we'll take a little break here to tell you about our sponsor for this podcast episode. Oh, come on. Everything in this show is labeled with Dharma Initiative. This whole thing's branding for Dharma. Uh, that's what it's like to chew Dharma Initiative except brand for, gum. Except for your Apollo Dharma bars. and Greg Five Gum. I need to take a break for my Apollo bar. Get Apollo Can bar. as many as you want. But yeah, let's uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about the flashbacks. Um because we haven't uh, hit those too hard. Uh, the, the episode itself opens up with uh, the birth of Ben Linus uh, on the side of a, a road outside of Portland, um, killing his mom. It's uh, it's uh, another instance of, of life and death, uh, a theme that the show harped on throughout its life. Um, just in the last episode, Do No Harm, uh, the episode where we covered the death of, uh, of Boone. In that same episode, uh, Baby Onionhead Aaron was born. I thought it was Turnip. Turnip Head? Whatever. Was it Onion Head? It's one of the two. Okay. It's, it's some sort of root vegetable. Um, <laughs> baby pumpkin <laughs> that's not a root vegetable that's a fruit whatever give me a break it's a vine it grows on vines doesn't it just call them a potato anyway they, maybe they wanted to call it potato they couldn't get the rights that could be um, but so, but so they uh so uh emily linus ben's mom dies in childbirth while uh, when ben is born um so it's just like i said another instance of uh, somebody coming into the world and somebody leaving the world at the same time. This person that pulls over to the side of the road to assist Roger and and Emily uh, birthing their child is uh I think we've probably seen him in the show before uh, at this point. Like I, I think we've seen Horace in previous episodes. We just haven't watched them yet. Yeah, maybe. But but or, Doug, it's do, Doug. Do, I think no, his maybe. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, oh, I can't remember, and we haven't watched it. So yeah. Um, <laughs> But so Doug Hutchison guest star in the episode, uh, also in the scene, uh, guest star playing Roger Linus, uh, John Grease, uh, who most people will recognize from Napoleon Dynamite as Uncle Rico. Um, yep, Uncle Rico, and then he's driving his Uncle Rico van. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Doug Hutchison, Hor- Horace uh, comes and assists uh, him. And if we don't know this already, we find out in like the next scene that um, Horace is a member of the Dharma Initiative, gets Roger a job on the island. Roger and Ben move there. Um, once he's grown up in his, you know, he's probably what, 12, you think? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. 12, yeah. 13, maybe at, at the most. Um, so he's a tight. He doesn't talk much. Uh, he's really withdrawn. Uh, Roger, talk when he needs to. Talk when he needs to. Uh, Roger's a, a little punchy. Apparently he hasn't been able to find uh, work um, since the since the death of his wife. Uh, Horace hooks him up and gets a job as a workman, which he's none too happy about. It's not what he got on the brochure. The brochure was the Dharma Initiatives out here changing the world and doing experiments and stuff like that. And he didn't sign up to be no janitor. He doesn't want to be Roger Workman. No, he does not want to be Roger Workman. <laughs> I mean, who does in this economy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we meet a little girl named Annie who uh, ends up being a friend of Ben's. Um, I can't remember if we've seen Annie in the past or not. Uh, we also see we also see Richard on the island, and this is thirty years prior to when we saw him at the beginning of the episode at Ben's camp. He's, he looks to be the, that was a little confusing. 
Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Tell me, there's magical stuff on this island. Right, yeah. So we um, see him at three different times. Yeah, and uh, and he looks exactly the same with those lusciously full eyelashes. They're timeless. It goes through, um, we see we see Ben continue to grow up. He continues to be withdrawn. He's only got this one friend, Annie. Uh, Roger's life only gets worse. He, he drinks. <laughs> he. Uh, we see him forget Ben's birthday multiple times. And on one occasion, he flat out just says that he blames Ben for the death of Emily. It's a classic... Trope, harsh, uh, and yes, incredibly harsh for for classic play. birthday talk with dad. <sighs> Drunk dad passed on the couch. He's trying to take his boots off him, be a nice guy, let mm-hmm. him sleep. And then just, basically, just like verbally, and just mentally abuse, punches him in the face, you know, abuses him. Yeah. It's horrible. Uh, little Ben runs out to the. He goes to go run away. Um, runs out to the Sonic fence, and he uh, he sees it. Uh, he sees it his mom out in the jungle. Um, he saw her earlier at his window. Um, but then he sees her and actually gets a moment to talk to her. He says, I want to, I want to come with you. And she's like, it's not time, whatever. He comes back a day or two later with a rabbit to test his code to punch through the sonic fence. It works. He wanders off in the jungle and he meets Richard, who, uh, is a native of the island, uh, we think. Or a hostile. But, well, and yeah, they, they talk a little bit about these incursions with the hostiles and the, versus the Dharma initiative. We get the impression that Richard is a hostile. He's dressed not lit in a Dharma jumpsuit. He's got well, like long, shaggy hair. Um, Looks homeless. Yeah, and Ben and little Ben wants to be like little Ben's. Like I hate the Dharma issue. This place sucks. My dad's an asshole. Um, let me join you. And Richard's like, just be patient. And by patient, he meant like twenty five years. <laughs> right. That's that's a big ask, my dude. Uh, uh, yeah, like what, like a week or two? No, 25 years, what? Okay. <laughs> Just keep hanging on and looking at your little wood doll of Annie. I do, like, I I don't want to, like, get down the rabbit hole here, but the I'm very interested in the Dharma initiative because, like, uh, uh, Mikhail or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, he was wearing a jumpsuit that still had the symbol on it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because they somebody alluded to, you know, they came here looking for peace or or whatnot and what have you great um they brought peace and guns um but i find it very interesting that they 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 come to this island for whatever reason if it's to start their own utopia or for political reasons or or whatever Mm -hmm. but they still keep like very western american style architecture for all of their their buildings and their their style of clothes it it feels very like uh sort of I don't know if you if you play Fallout, you know, sort yeah. of that like very like 1950s, yeah, like oh, it's this like, is well, was that the uh, the planned communities from the, like Allentown or whatever it's called, like right, yeah, exactly, and it's uh, I'm I'm very curious to learn more about that and and why everything is so branded Dharma <sighs> Initiative from like clothes to beer to nerve gas to like oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, warm Dharma beer. And, that, and, and wash it down with some nerve gas. Yeah, and that's the and that's the big payoff of the of the flashback stories is that we yeah see Linus uh, now in his mid early thirties whatever uh, a few years prior to the current timeline he's uh, he gets an opportunity to take a little birthday drive in the Dharma van with his dad go drop off some supplies at the Pearl Station which is something we've only just heard of now or maybe not if you're watching the show in order um, they drive up uh, to the the hill and uh, Rogers just like I'm gonna try to remember your birthday next year son as they share what could be a potentially very poignant and healing moment but, yeah but Ben's like fuck that but then he like checks his watch <laughs> and be like ah the numbers wait it's four 
It's four in 15 <laughs> seconds. Let me just grab this gas mask 16. real quick. Yeah. Uh, to which uh, Roger reacts uh, incredibly slowly to like if I were sitting in a van next to somebody and I saw them like put on a gas mask I'd be like did you bring me one no give me yours I think Roger <laughs> might have already started drinking oh, well, for, oh let, for sure let's talk about the fact that that nerve agents because uh, I'm assuming it's a nerve agent can right. also be absorbed through the skin or the ears or something like that so just having a gas mask on as a respirator not really gonna save you right just a little Good. little Taking thing some TV license there because yeah. he, yeah, yeah. he pops his little gas grenade after putting his uh a mask on and then there's no gas yeah this is vapor and yeah so some sort of nerve yeah and, and so well and then we cut to the end and you're expecting to see more of these canisters lying around yeah. or evidence of something and it's just like people lying just on bodies. the ground yeah. Uh, well, yeah we go back to mm-hmm. the, the the barracks barracks what, yeah. area and yeah there's just dead bodies strewn about like they just passed out where they were walking that's we yeah that still bugs me we see, uh, we see Horace. Uh, it seems to seems to be that Horace is the only member of the Dharma Initiative that Ben seems a little bit bent up about him dying. He sees him passed out of the bench. He goes and closes his eyes. But it seems like, other than that, that's the only thing that that's it. Uh, and then the hostels come in wearing gas masks. Uh, the leader of the hostels, uh, at least of this little squad of hostels, takes his mask off, and it's Richard from uh, from a long time back. Apparently, Ben's patience is paid off because he's eliminated the Dharma initiative and handed over the facilities to the hostels. It was Dharma. I gotta side. say though Oh Jesus. <laughs> he checked his watch to make sure it had been like an appropriate amount of time to to take his mask off. But man, you should have a better way of checking that. Cause what if what if he just drops dead then everyone else is like, all right, now we gotta draw straws to figure out who's taking off their mask right? in another like, hour. Yeah, like, let's just wait. Yeah. And then yeah, why is it Richard? I would have got like the lowest ranking hostel to take their mask off first instead of Richard. Or, you know, what if Richard's immortal? It's like, well, I can breathe nerve agent because nothing can kill me. Like, Why is he wearing a gas mask? Exactly. So there's a lot there that's whatever. But then that happens. And so we come back to the, the full final part of the episode. Ben and Locke get to the, quote, place Ben is from, end quote. Uh, and it's a mass grave filled with all the Dharma bodies. <laughs> And he's like, this is where I'm from. These were my people. There were two sides to this island, uh, one group and another group. And when it came time, one of them had to go. I chose which one it was, and, right, I, and yeah. I'm the one. And then he blasts Locke with a pistol. Bam. And so throughout this episode, Locke has been continually flexing his muscles and gaining influence with all these people. And Ben's like, well, I'm still the man behind the curtain. Suck it. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they dug a, like a mass grave for all these people. Threw them all in there, and then like, oh, we're not going to cover it up. We'll just leave it an open pit, <laughs> right? Of when you could just like stench and everything, because that dirt had t- to go somewhere. It wasn't right, just you a could depression. Throw them like in the ocean, been done walls. with it. Yeah, well, or you know, burned them, yeah. or whatever. Uh, and so that's pretty much it for Man Behind the Curtain. Unless anybody had anything from their notes that they wanted to mention before we move on to our final segments. I think I'm both, good. Both Ben's parents die on his birthday. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, yeah, that's damn. sad. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Yeah. By his hand, basically. You yeah. can say he killed both of his parents. Yeah. If you subscribe to Roger's thinking. Yeah. Uh, so, Haas, we uh, do a little thing here at the end where we talk about our lost MVP and our lost forever. So, your lost MVP is your favorite person from the episode, and your lost forever is your least favorite person from the episode. So, we're going to start by going around asking lost mvp who's your favorite character this one uh i kind of thought the chair (laughs) 
because it reminded me of Clint Eastwood talking at like the Republican <laughs> National Convention and Ben just like talking to the chair and you're like waiting for an answer and then just the chair doesn't say anything. And that, you know, to me was just hilarious. So or if I want it to it's be like perfect. real, I just say the cabin because, you know, it was a haunted house experience, you know, right. that was a lot yeah. of fun. So, so uh, okay. Jacob's chair is your MVP. <laughs> Or Jacob. Or Jacob, yeah. You know, if you believe there is a Jacob. If you believe there's a Jacob. Sure, sure. Sure. Busher? Uh, I had to go with, this took a lot of thought in my headspace because I, like, I, even though, like, Ben is the hero of this episode, he's, like, the main character of the episode, like, none of the characters really, really, really stood out to me as, like, really carrying the weight of the episode, doing the hero work. That's why I went with the chair. So, so I just went to my favorite actor of the episode in general, uh, Nestor Carbonell, Richard. He shepherded little Ben into the man that he uh, becomes today. And uh, I think that that's probably, uh, probably makes him the MVP in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, JP, what do you think? What do you th- who's your lost MVP for Man Behind the Curtain? Well, my lost MVP is the same lost MVP as it is every day. Dharma beer. Uh, <laughs> looking for something to wash down those pretzels? Dharma beer. Looking to ruin your son's birthday again? Dharma beer. Have another. As if you didn't know you were already on an island with a bunch of insane people that have created a, a, a commune and have everything branded Dharma. We delivered them beer. in bulk to your place of employment so you can start yeah, immediately. Yeah, holy shit, man. Where are they getting all those crates of that nice, cool drink? That... That's my favorite thing about old cases of beer is that they came in the flat case where they're all just like four six packs in a little cardboard tray. I, I yeah. wish that they all all cases of beer were still sold like that. <laughs> yeah, very keeping it classy. Uh, and and then Haas lost forever. Who could you have dealt without in this episode? Uh, kind of a tie. Like I have one for the flashback and one for the present. I think. Okay. Like okay. Locke, he was just he was so lost and i don't know Locke's not quite always my favorite character he's all over the place so you know he didn't know what he was doing he was just being driven around sure uh and then also okay. uncle rico you know <laughs> he was just <laughs> shitty he had one yep. too many of those uh dharma beers he bought into that ad campaign mm-hmm. okay uh busher lost forever uh, my loss forever. I, I wanted to go with Roger, but uh, it seemed like it seemed to me that maybe it wasn't necessarily Roger's fault that he was saddled with a classic TV trope of being the drunk dad who forgets your birthday. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I had to go back to my uh, my favorite punching bag, who well will likely be my favorite punching bag, uh, one Doctor Jack Shepard. <laughs> you really don't like him in this well, one. The thing is, I. I remember barely in it huge too. huge patches of liking Jack throughout the show but there so far uh in this episode it's again just tell the truth just be open and communicative especially if you're going to be the leader of the survivors which is a role that maybe you didn't want but has been thrust upon you be open and upfront about your communication and your strategies and that will lead to much better collaboration in the future and Jack constantly doesn't do that and so we get just smug bullshit from him. I think we got some catching up to do. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> JP. Take that. JP, yeah. Well, uh, who do you think should be lost forever from Man Behind the Curtain? Uh, it's a two-way tie between Ben and John Locke. You know why? Because before they went out on their adventure, they just took their canteens and filled them up from a pond. That is not potable <laughs> drinking a, water. There's a stream. 
still that that whole fallacy of like oh moving water no you're gonna get dysentery my dudes you need to desalinate or or you need to come up with some sort of still so that you can properly filter the water no that you're gonna have the sugar shits for the next couple of days my guys i think uh i think there was a deleted scene on the dvd that showed them pouring iodine into the water and, and dealing with that well then in that case claire Bear, bear grills over here does not approve oh my god that's priceless um do you got uh, jp do you want to do a burning question oh man it's i, I we, just we didn't do I, a burning question last time because yeah uh, do no harm was a season one episode it was a pretty well written individually like compartmentalized episode that you we got to the end of it and there were a couple of things like Meh? but like on the whole it was like really like start to finish its own story this one being deeper into season three the burning questions are the things that come into the episode that may have been explained in a pre- previous episode or may have been risen uh the question may have been raised in this episode but we definitely want to know more about so if you, if you have a burning question let's hear it if not that's fine too uh not so much i i desperately want to know more about the dharma initiative specifically like i i get that there's supernatural stuff happening on the island um jacob fits into that i feel like the hostels fit into that i feel like the the monster from the pilot fits into Mm -hmm. that um i don't understand anything about the dharma initiative and how they fit into this so i'm very curious about all that cool uh what about you do you have a burning question no i don't think i do no feel good about it okay i just want I, my burning question is i want to watch i want to know jp's reaction to when he gets these answers okay <laughs> you'll have to come back when for he meets episode these later. characters to really yeah. get into it some of my favorite characters you probably won't meet for a long time now who is uh, your favorite one of your favorite characters and uh, those are the episodes that we're going to bring you end up bringing you back for. I was a fan of uh, Desmond. Yeah, who we saw in really this episode, but does not did not have a line. Did not have a line, so I don't even think JP knows who he was. Yeah. He just uh, like no he's just a yeah. dude in the background. Yep. Yeah. Um, or uh, Daniel Faraday. No, oh, there you go. There's another one that I liked. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, Haas will definitely be back uh, in in future episodes. So, if you enjoy the uh, the analysis and uh, and conversation that Haas brings to the uh, the show, definitely check us out again in the future. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lost on Lost. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm JP. Do you have any idea what's going on in the show? Nope. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Lost on Lost is produced and edited by Adam Busher and J.P. Russell. Recorded on location in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and Los Angeles, California. Our show is hosted at Podbean. Find us there or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks to Danny Schmitz of Lost in a Name for our theme music. Lostpedia and the community of contributors there. Random.org for creating the watch order. Check out our Facebook page, Lost on Lost, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Lost on Lost 1. Don't follow those jerks at Lost on Lost 2. You can also email us at wearelostonlost at gmail.com. Email.com. If you like what we're getting into here, buy us a coffee at coffee.com slash we are lost on lost. That's ko fi.com slash we are lost on lost. <laughs>